Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles open, today we'll be in the book of Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. The title of this sermon is, Blessed is the Coming Kingdom of Our Father. Here's the first half of this two-part study. I simply entitled this, Blessed is the Coming Kingdom of Our Father. Blessed is the Coming Kingdom of Our Father. And we'll look at it in two parts. Jesus is in control, verses 1 through 6, and I think somebody probably needs to hear that today. You know, that Jesus is in control. And, and Jesus worshiped in verses 8 through 11. If there's two things that we need to remember is Jesus is in control, and what are you supposed to be doing? Worship Jesus right uh so this portion of scripture is actually covered in all four gospels um and and the synoptic gospels which is matthew mark and luke uh cover it but also the book of john uh covers it as well now in all four gospels you have the baptism of christ you have the feeding of the five thousand the trials the crucifixion and the resurrection and then the triumphal entry they're all covered uh, and, and why? Because it is such an important piece of scripture. It is prophecy fulfilled. Uh, this portion uh, that, that we look at of scripture is, is we enter into Passion Week. Uh, what is Passion Week? It is the last week of Christ's earthly ministry. That's all it is. But trust me, people were throwing these things out. When I first came to Christ, I was like, I don't have any clue what Passion Week is. I have no clue what the triumphal entry is. I have no clue what Palm Sunday is. Didn't know. Palm Sunday, we'll get into that. There's a reason you read about the leafy branches. That's what Palm Sunday means as they lay them out on the road. Uh, what is the triumphal entry? This is when Jesus goes into the Jerusalem, and it's the only time he allows public worship. Why? Because it was to fulfill prophecy. He's fulfilling the scriptures. And, and so, and Passion Week itself is it just, is, it's just the, the last week of Christ's earthly ministry. That's all it is. And I had spent some time, I was going back and forth whether I was going to, because we don't have Good Friday service. Um, and so, because we don't have access to the building on Friday. And so one of the things that, that uh, I would recommend, like I, I, I'm not in competition with any church in this town, but there are churches that are having Good Friday services, fine. Uh, you can go to Grace Calvary Chapel. They're having Friday, Good Friday service there. Uh, we'll be there. Um, and, and it's okay. Um, it's, it, at the end of the day, that's, uh, we want you to be fed. 
Right, that's the main thing. And, and so um, we want you, to, you know, if you want to go to Good Friday service, as it deals with the, the cross and the crucifixion, that's what Good Friday is. Um, and you go, why would it be Good Friday if they're killing Jesus? Because he's going to the cross for the sins of this world. He's dying and doing exactly out of obedience what his father had called him to do. So that way you're not separated from God. You can have your sins forgiven and have eternal life with him. So that's why it's Good Friday. Um, and, and so, you know, as we look at this, there's a lot of, lot of things going on. Uh, the, you know, at this point, we have the, the life of, of Christ, his, his teachings, his casting out of demons, healing and raising people from the dead. And then you have uh, uh, around two to three million people in the city of Jerusalem at the time as passion week begins right as 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 they begin to head into uh to jerusalem you got about two to three million people there and and so we we're going to have people coming in that hearing or hearing the stories of the of the of the the healings they're hearing the stories like we talked about it when we were in the book of mark how like nobody's healed anybody with leprosy since the old testament but jesus did jesus ate with sinners and jesus this is important to get yes jesus ate with prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners but jesus never strayed from the truth he was always loving but he always gave the truth see people forget that part they love the loving jesus but they don't want the truth they go together, and, and so we can't forget that. Uh, but now you got two, two to three million people heading into the city. They know about Jesus Christ. They've heard about the, the miracles. They've heard about him raising people from the dead, and they just recently would have heard about Lazarus. And, and what's funny is, is there's a piece of Scripture in John chapter 12, verses 9 through 11, that says, Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came. Not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see also see Lazarus. They wanted to see it if it was for real. Whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted Lazarus to death also. Because on account of him, many of uh, Jews went away and believed in Jesus. So they wanted to kill Lazarus. They were like, we got to kill this story. We need to, we need to, we need to remove it. And, and so that's how the religious leaders were going to handle it because they had people that were running to follow Christ. The disciples uh, were also informed what was going to happen when they entered in Jerusalem. In Mark chapter 10, verses 33 and 34, it says, Same, seeing we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will uh, condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him and after three days he will rise come follow me like you're going into a city where they're going to kill me like they're going to kill jesus and he's like okay disciples let's go how many of us would have said oh uh, i think i'm gonna hang back in bethany i'll help cook right um, y'all go ahead and go to jerusalem but that's that's one of the things i love about the the accounts that we have through the different gospels is we get all of this information 
and, and other pieces of the puzzles as we look at it. But they were going to kill him. And this is not the first time that Jesus had been to Jerusalem. Uh, John covers it and shows him uh, in Jerusalem multiple times, at least four times. And, and uh, one of the things I love about the disciples is they understood that they would kill him, as, as Thomas simply said in John chapter 11, verse 16. Let us also go that way, uh, that way uh, may we die with them. Right? Makes you, and I always tell people, you always hear doubting Thomas. Doesn't that make you think differently about Thomas now? Maybe Thomas at the time thought he was going to die in Jerusalem with Christ. And, and, and yet he was like, hey, let's go. And, and that's how, I mean, at the end of the day, you're called to pick up your cross and to die to self and follow him. We've all been called to do that. And so this is what we're entering into as we dive into this portion of Scripture. Jesus is in control. In Mark chapter 11, verses 1, it says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethlehem and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. So now we, we get the area where they're at. Bethlehem and Bethany and the Mount of Olives is actually a, uh, a small uh, city right outside of Jerusalem. And, and, um, and, and it's actually, you know, when you think about Bethlehem, it's actually the exact amount of walking distance between the temple and uh, uh, the uh, city for Sabbath. It was the exact amount. So a lot of people were in that area. But when people came to Jerusalem for Passover, they would fill these cities up. And so they would have known where Jesus was at. And Jesus kind of hung out in Bethany, and, and that's where he raised Lazarus from the dead. And both these areas are not too far. They're within walking distance of, of, uh, of Jerusalem. But it says, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you. Immediately as you enter, into, uh, enter it, you will find a colt tied on it, which no one has ever set. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, what are you doing? Uh, why are you doing this? Say, uh, the Lord has need of it, and, and we'll send it back here immediately. I love this portion of Scripture. I've heard a lot of pastors who spend a lot of time going, well, who were the two disciples? And they start going through this whole, it's not important. Okay? Did, 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 we, did Mark give you the names of the two disciples? No. Did, were they given another, any of the other, other Gospels? No. Right? So let's move on. Right? What do you get from this? When I read this, I read Jesus is in control. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus has set all of this stuff up. And people will argue, well, did he do it when he was there, all those trips? Or how did he do it? Well, you know how he does it. He's in control. He's fully God, fully man. And, and, and so we need to remember that. I mean, Jesus was in control when Peter was fishing. In Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 6, And then when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And, and Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. That has been every one of my fishing trips. Every time, every time, I take nothing in. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they have done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Jesus was in control then. Now, as we look at this, it's, it's, it's Jesus that will be in control. In Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, it says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The king of the earth sets themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointing. 
saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, and the Lord holds them in derision. I want you to understand this right now. It doesn't matter if China, Brazil, Russia, and whoever else wants to join that union. God is laughing. Everything that's happening in the United States right now, God is laughing. As we're seeing people trying to plot and do things that they shouldn't be doing, God's just sitting back laughing because God's got a plan. And it includes His Son coming back. And He will rule. That's what we need to remember. And I I told you all this past week, it's very important. Like, instead of you being upset with your congressman or your congresswoman or your senator or your president, pray for him. Pray for him. And be very specific in your prayer. And if you go, man, I'm, I'm really upset with the whole Congress. I'm really upset with the whole Senate. I'm really upset with the administration and the cabinet. I'm upset with the Supreme Court. I'm upset with what? Pray. You win every battle on your knees. They're expecting Christians to run out and go, I'm not protesting. Why am I protesting? God does. He's in control. We need to remember that. We go to him in prayer. And I told y'all, y'all take four names from, you can take two congressmen and two congresswomen, or you can take two senators, and you pray for them specifically. I would start with the squad. And you ask God to show up in a way that's so real in their life, they wouldn't be able to say no. Like if they do, that they would be just blinded. And what I mean by that is, is that they would make a choice to follow Christ. And even if they don't choose to follow Christ, that their decisions would be made in a way that it brings glory to God. That they wouldn't understand it, but it's bringing glory to God. That's where Christians win their battles in prayer. You know, we don't win our battles on social network. Just that's not winning any battles. We, I, I see people arguing and stuff, and it's like it's not worth all that. You can spend more time in prayer, and, and God will... God will hear you. He's sitting at the right hand. Jesus is in control. So he sits in this heavens and laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. That's very important to understand. The Lord holds them in derision. And then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrifying them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possessions. Possession, And you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in, uh, dash them in pieces like pot, potter's vessels. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned. Be warned, O rulers of this earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He bring angry, lest He uh, be angry and you perish in the way. For His wrath is kindled. Uh, uh, wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. So He tells them, "Be warned, be wise, and and with fear." Serve with serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. We have a lot of leaders right now that are not serving the Lord, that don't fear the Lord. But when I read that, what is my my responsibility? My responsibility is to blessed are all who take refuge in Him. So where should you be taking refuge? 
Facebook, Instagram. You shouldn't even be on TikTok. I mean, that's a whole nother, that's that's a whole nother teaching <laughs> we could get into. But it's the reality of it is, is like our refuge is taken in the Word of God. This is our refuge. Our refuge is in prayer. Our refuge is in fellowship. Our refuge is coming together and saying, hey, let's pray. You take the state of Washington, I'll take the state of Oregon. And you just start praying for those. I'm serious. Like if we did that, like if Christians actually did that, you know how, how much things would change? Because I believe when you ask God to show up in somebody's life in a way that they would have to make a choice, God will. God will. And so we see the, in this piece of scripture, you see the, the promise of the Son. The, the Jesus coming. The victory's already here. The nations will fall. He will rule. And so he's already got victory. And Jesus has always been in control. In John 19, verses 10 and 11, it says, So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not? Do you know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Every person that's in place right now has been allowed to be there by God. Think about that. And, and, and so Jesus is in control. It's important for us to understand that. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus is in control. We know in Revelation chapter 22, verses 12 through 17, it says, Behold, I am coming. Bring my recompense with me to uh, repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they might have the right uh, uh, to the tree of life and that they may enter into the city by the gates. Outside the, the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for, church, uh, for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride says, come. And let the one who hears say, uh, say, come. And let the one who's thirsty, come. And let the one who desires the water of, uh, of life without price. So when I read the Lord has need of it, everything's been set up because Jesus is in control. One of the things we have to remember is as we come back after we get through uh, Easter, when we come back that following Sunday, we'll be back in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love that because the Lord has need of you. Right? The Lord has need of each of us. We all have a spiritual gift, at least one that you've been given if you're a follower of Christ. And God wants to use it. And, and it's important for us to understand that he has a need. Like he wants, it's not just the fact that you've raised your hand, you've asked Christ into your heart, you confess your sins, but that you understand that God's saying, hey, look, eternity starts here and I'm going to use you for my kingdom to bring glory to me.
to reflect Christ to others. It's such an important thing to remember. In verse 4 it says, And they went away and found a colt tied at the door in the street, and they untied it. And what some of, some of those standing there uh, said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? Now I can imagine today somebody would have grabbed their phone out and just recorded it. And wouldn't have said anything. They just would have been like, Look at this guy, man. He's taking that colt. <laughs> That's all we do today. Right? And he says, and, and, and he, he says, and they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go, and they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Now, it's very important to understand that the colt that Jesus is getting on is a donkey that's never been ridden. And we also know that there's a portion of Scripture that says that there was another donkey with that one, probably the mom, you know, keeping the, the, the colt uh, calm. But you have to realize that Jesus is in control even if he's going on an animal that's never been ridden. Now, I know some of y'all probably watch Yellowstone, which you, you know, hey. Or you've seen people try to break a horse. If you've ever seen somebody try to break a horse, when you get on a horse for the first time, it will break you. You have to, I mean, it takes a special person to break horses. And so when you get on an animal that's never been ridden, they don't like it. They don't want to be controlled. They don't want to. So you can imagine Jesus getting on this colt. But he's in control over creation. Even the animals. And so Jesus is the promised Savior. And we see that. Jesus is the promised Savior. And says, uh, you know, why, why when he decides to, to get on this colt, he's fulfilling scripture and fulfilling prophecy in Matthew chapter 21 verse 4. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying. And, it, and that verse that it, it goes into is Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. He is, he, is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. He's fulfilling scripture. So when somebody tells me you can't show me proof, I, I saw somebody arguing this on with somebody who was an apologetist and, and they were, the girl's like, if you don't show me medical records, I'll never believe. And he's like, do you know how foolish that statement is? Nobody had medical records during the time of Christ. They don't. But we have eyewitness testimony that's been, been proven. We have the scripture but we also have prophecy that has been fulfilled. We can point to the prophecy being fulfilled. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman under the law. And we know that prophecy was fulfilled in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord Himself will bring you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. We even know that Jesus as a baby was going to have to flee to Egypt. It's in Hosea 11 verse 1. My, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. We also know about the, the prophetic, uh, unfortunate uh, death of the Jewish babies by Herod. It was prophesied when Jesus was born. In Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 15, Thus says the Lord, A voice is heard in Ramah, Lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She, she refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. 
We know that the prophecy was fulfilled that, that he would be despised, he would be rejected, he would be turned away in Isaiah 53, uh, 3. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one of whom men hide their faces, he was despised and he was esteemed not. We know that he'll come, uh, the Messiah who's like Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18, 18. I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. We knew that Jesus was going to be a servant in Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. And the Spirit of the Lord God is upon him, upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberties to the captives, and open opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of God to comfort all who mourn. And we know that he was going to be led like a lamb to the slaughter in Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the, to the slaughter, like a sheep uh, that before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And, and there's many more scriptures that we could go over. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us to find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 